Welcome back to the Renaissance and Our Times podcast. Hope you're having a great day. My name is Richard. I will be your host today. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the newest book from Ian McGilchrist, which is called The Matter with Things, Our Brains, Our Delusions, and the Unmaking of the World. So we're just going to share a few first impressions. It's like there's a huge joy in just opening this book and reading the introduction, which is about 50 pages. And it was published just last Tuesday. So this is kind of fresh off the press here. And um, it's massive, about 1,300 pages, but it could have been 2,000 pages in kind of normal <laughs> normal page size. So um, it's a massive endeavor. It builds on the previous masterwork from Ian McGilchrist, which is The Master and His Emissary. And uh, this work now is in, in, printed in two volumes. It has three parts. And the overall structure is that he's looking at the means to truth. In some sense, just looking at the brain structure, the, the brain as the apparatus, in a sense, for, for apprehending the world. And then the paths to truth, like how we can use the brain. And then he's going to talk about the form, structure, and nature of the world. And do all of this in light of the hemisphere hypothesis. So uh, we're just going to say that we were a little bit curious how this was going to be because the the last book is so kind of authoritative in its its treatment of the brain, the two brain hemispheres, uh, the nature of the hemispheres. And then this new book is then going to go more into philosophy, uh, metaphysics, psychology, and many other fields. So we're a bit curious how that's going to go, but so far it's... It's very impressive and it's also very exciting to just keep reading. So uh, we're going to just, just cover the introduction in this episode. It's going to be a little warm-up episode. And um, some of the main points in the introduction is about shifting your way of thinking or kind of re-establishing an overall view of the world. So it's a kind of um, it's very ambitious in terms of what it's trying to do. Uh, but it's also going to go through all the details and lay it out in a scientific manner as well as a more kind of philosophy uh, and humanities manner as well and then kind of unify all of this. So there's an interesting part in the beginning. We're going to read a couple of examples and then just uh, comment on a few of the points. But he makes a, an interesting argument in the beginning, which is just, uh, it's a little bit on the side, but it's also interesting in terms of having a debate with people who make this proposition that the world, the universe, is just uh, mechanistic, random, billiard balls bouncing, materialist, uh, empty of any, any meaning, any direction, and it's kind of this sterile clockwork or machinery that just keeps, um, keeps kind of ticking. And then, especially if people are very certain about this, so the key here is like if people are are uh, kind of absolutists on this view, there is a flaw in the argument, as Michael Christ explains here. Reductionists and determinists unerringly fail to take account of the fact that their own arguments apply to themselves. If my beliefs are nothing but the mechanical products of a blind system, so are all views, including those of the reductionist. If everything is already determined, the determinist tendency to embrace determinism is also merely determined, and we have no reason to take it seriously. 
So in other words, you can also say if anyone is certain, like full certainty, that there is only a mechanistic, deterministic, random universe, cosmos, then that would also apply to your brain, to your thinking, that that's just going to develop randomly. And then the question is, why do you trust your own thinking? If there's no way of checking or having any sense if it's valid or not, because your brain in itself would just be a random collection of, of, um, of this mechanistic uh, evolution. So uh, that's one of those things that McGilchrist is trying to discuss and illuminate in different ways in his work. So then we can jump into a couple of those specific points. For example, limit cases. He talks about uh, limit cases as that which is the minimum required in a certain situation. This is a little bit technical, but it's just to get an idea of, of one of the themes that McGilchrist is working towards. For example, that the explicit is a form, is a reduced form of implicit. Like if something is implicit and then you make it explicit, you reduce the amount of information in the implicit, which is the same to, you can see when you reduce a metaphor to something literal. So the literal is a reduced form of the metaphorical. Uh, other things, just to kind of open our thinking a bit, it's like randomness is a reduced form of order, is something he posits here. Simplicity is a special case of complexity. So complexity is the norm. If you have simplicity, that's that's a, re a reduced form, or kind of a very special case of complexity. Uh, and also usually it comes from the model and not reality. So he goes through many more examples of this. Uh, other thoughts is that he poses that the whole and not the cosmos to view it as something that is creative and also with a purpose. So kind of it's, uh, it's moving towards something. Uh, and also then to see the reality as a relationship between us and the whatever it is, as he calls it in the beginning, the world outside of ourselves. Um, instead, and then to think that the relationship is the primary to the relata, kind of to the elements that are related. Uh, this is interesting in terms of thinking about uh, this continuous and kind of uh, reiteration in our psyche from we are infants that we try to get a sense of what is ourselves, like build some kind of idea about ourselves and then the world, and then also how we relate to the world. Like what is the what is us? What's the world? And how does this? How what is the flow back and forth and and the the in mutual influence with us and the world, which is a very deep philosophical question, and it's it's uh, treated everywhere in literature as well because there is both mysteries and there is also sometimes like this uh, almost boundless potential in uh, engaging with the world and then influencing the world that you live in and that will also influence you back again and then you get this this uh, uh, kind of uh, it's a dynamic that goes back and forth it can be mutually reinforcing as well in positive ways and that would also be a very creative process so um we're going to keep this one a little bit short there's also this idea about the gestalt which is a german word just for shape or form which means the whole and this is also then the idea of the whole book for mike gilchrist that there's a wholeness to the whole work this book um, that is more than the sum of its parts and this is then especially more in the domain of the right hemisphere because the right hemisphere is much better at seeing the whole of something rather than the parts. It, the, the right hemisphere perceives the whole, the right, sorry, the left hemisphere sees the parts and then it kind of constructs up a whole from the parts. 
but then sometimes that will be a model that is less than the, the real hole, which we need the right hemisphere to apprehend. So uh, last couple of points, uh, to view the cosmos as a flow and not things. This is a major shift between the left and the right hemisphere. So he's drawing from philosophers that are called more like uh, process philosophers, like uh, Whitehead and also Bergson, Henry Bergson, who are who really tried about a century ago to to develop a new kind of philosophy that is more uh, like it emerges more out of the right hemisphere and then in a more uh, overall way of thinking, which is also kind of more dynamic and more flowing, which is very so usually very harshly resisted by more left hemisphere thinkers. This is a huge topic and I am sure we will get back to this much more in detail in the part two and the part three of the book. The first part is very technical, so we're kind of, we moved a little bit into that now. It's very much the, the, the hardcore brain science, uh, which lays kind of the, the scientific foundation for what comes in the last two parts. So we're just going to finish this one with a little quote from... Um, the uh, end of the introduction, where just talks about like these two different ways of apprehending or looking or approaching the world, and he says that um, for the one view has then this position that seems to be that quote, however limited, commonplace, and unamazing we are, the world is even more limited, commonplace, and unamazing, since with all our shortcomings we can understand it. This could be contrasted with the view that. As marvelous as we are, the world is more marvelous than we have the capacity to understand. End of quote. So that's kind of a, uh, an idea of being filled with wonder and positivity and this ex uh, exploring discovery spirit to just embrace the world and, and love the fact that there's so much more to discover and there's still things we don't understand and we will keep learning and enjoying this process in itself. And he also says in the last paragraph here, quote, What I hope for my readers is that if they are willing to accompany me on this adventure, they will see the they will never see the world the same way again. Which is true, I will say, already from just reading about uh, 200 pages now and also reading The Master and the Emissary. It just changed, it illuminates your understanding of the world and your own thinking. And in some ways, it's kind of crucial to to know since we experience and apprehend the world through the brain, it really helps to understand a little bit more about how the brain is working and the fact that we actually have two hemispheres, but you could look at them as two different brains with two different, uh, as McGilchrist puts it, takes on the world and experience of the world and then how these are supposed to work in harmony and kind of united together. But there is a tendency for one part to dominate and exclude the other one. And then that is part of the main argument for McGilchrist. So we're going to stop this one here. That's, this is kind of the gist of the introduction. Uh, there's much more to it as well. And we'd really just recommend to read the book <laughs> to, um, to get the full understanding. It's also very beautifully written. So And it's very kind of mature in someone who has been working on this for 30, 40 years and and it has this uh, this uh, feeling of someone who is mastering the substance that is being written about here. So uh, with that, we're going to make now a few more episodes. So uh, we're going to go come back to chapter four and judgment in the next episode, which is very interesting how the two brain hemispheres work uh, when it comes to judging or make judgment. And um, 
with that, hope you still have a great day. And thank you so much for listening. Hope it was a bit interesting, maybe some inspiration, new food for thought. And as always, thank you so much for listening and see you again in the next episode.